Good morning. Good to be here. And Rick Holm is our Prairie Doc, and he's here with us in the studio ready to answer your questions of a medical nature. Dr. Holm's specialty is internal medicine. He's a primary care physician <coughs> with the Avira Medical Group Ooh, Brookings. Oh, I know. And a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine. Good morning, Rick. Hi, Joan. I'm on week number three of a cold. You don't think they should last that long, huh? No, I don't <laughs> think they do. Now, I but mean, do some people get um, whooping cough, you know, and that'll last for maybe three weeks. And it's okay. a hacky, dry, hacky cough. And you had a runny nose to start with and then a mm-hmm. fever that first day or two mm-hmm. and then ache all over. And then mm-hmm. that all goes away and you have a cough for two or three weeks. Sometimes people will have um, that cold and it will trigger a little asthma. <laughs> And that might be what's going on. The other thing is, is people think they have a cold and what they have is allergies. If it's an asthma deal, I'll listen to your lungs after the, after the show and we'll, we'll <laughs> if there's wheezing, then we can give you a little bit of a steroid uh, burst and break the cycle. Okay, that'd be wonderful because this cycle has gone on too long. Yeah. Three That's weeks. Three, you three always weeks. say, oh, you know, cold, just rest and drink a lot of liquids. And I did have those, the runny nose, the couple of sick days, and then this is week number three. I'm tired of it. You know, the, the, the problem is that there's a number of people <laughs> who have twitchy lungs. I mean, in other words, they, they don't normally have, well, uh, they don't normally have uh, asthma or wheezing. But they get it after a cold, and it triggers it and higher, you know, gets their their uh, whole system all fired up, and then they have a wheezy lung for you know weeks and weeks and weeks, and it's that a- asthma, chronic bronchitis, or it's those years of smoking that you had when you were years and years, years ago. Years and years ago. Years and years ago. But I mean, the the sometimes when people come in with this horrible cough, the last thing they need is an antibiotic because it it isn't yeah. an infection. It's twitchy <coughs> lungs, and sometimes a burst of steroids just takes them out of the, the cycle of coughing, making it twitchier and irritated, and then more coughing, and then more irritation, and more coughing, and more irritation, and the asthma perpetuates itself. So um, sometimes that's what they people really need. The, 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 the I, you know, I have to talk about the microbiome a little bit more. Please do. What is a microbiome? So it, it, you know, there are more cells on your body that are not you than there are you cells. In so other all these words, foreigners are hanging around here. You know, you're like the earth. Uh, <laughs> you're actually a living organism and you have all these little animals living on you and the trees growing and you have grass and fields <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, have uh, all of the different uh, things that are growing and living on you. And that makes you alive because if you didn't have them, if you were perfectly sterile, you know, the old science fiction things, you go into this place and it just burns all the bugs off you and you're perfectly <laughs> sterile, huh, you would die, you would bleed to death within days. Uh, your liver would fail, you know, your, you, um, your gut would shut down. Um, you would Because you need all these other organisms. You are symbiotically alive with all the rest of the things that are living upon you. Unless okay. you make become a barren planet, uh, you, you live because of the animals that are living on you. Viruses, bacteria, fungus, yeast, all these things are part of it. And the balance is what is the wonderful thing that we have, is that we live in relationship with these things. And, um, you know, one of the things that I I was listening to a lecture 
uh, a week ago uh, uh, by the it was a it was a conference put on at STSU uh, world uh, issues and we 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 had our guest last week you know who talked about world health issues right and so uh, that was a week and a half ago so one of the things uh, on the lecture was uh, two biologists back to back one about um, but specifically one about uh, people who have overgrowth infections from their GI tract uh, and all the problems that come when antibiotics kill the, some of the bacteria in your gut, which are good, and then bad ones uh, prevail, or your gut just doesn't live without the bacteria. And so what they've done, and they find more and more they're doing, is uh, fecal uh, transplants, they call them, uh, which is they get a donation from a relative and you s make it in a slurry and you give an enema. Um, this sounds utterly disgusting. Yes, it does. But okay. think about it. I'm thinking uh, it's disgusting. <laughs> you know, you live because, you know, one of the things, uh, and you know, the next picture was a picture of a monkey, healthy little monkey eating elephant uh, dung uh, and mm -hmm. saying, you know, the world that we live in is not dirty enough that we need to share these bugs in a certain way so that you don't you know you're not um that your world is not all elm trees and then elm tree uh, bug versus the thing can come in and wipe out all of the trees in your community that that you need to share bugs and you do we do all the time you know you shake hands with people you know, you touch people, they touch you, you touch animals, you eat meat. You know, the world is a this sharing um, deal. If you think you're alone in the world, you've got another thing coming. You are a microbiome. You have it and you want to keep it healthy. And so you start messing with antibiotics, you mess with that. And so uh, I would wonder if we would do better in a dirtier world in one sense now that's not to say that when the people preparing my food i want them you know you'd like them to be clean i, I would nice. rather they wash their hands after they go to the bathroom but on the other hand maybe you know just maybe i would be better off unless they have an illness <laughs> and, and bob, gets bob out can't the, stand this gets out the sanitizer when we're talking about it just make okay. it curls people's toes but the truth of the matter is we we live in this dirty world and we've started infringing on it with antibiotics and over cleanliness and it might have been an, a mistake or at least we're learning more about this and so i'm not saying uh anything more than to be aware that this is uh that we are not you know we are a an a, a, a we have a large microbiome and that when we mess with certain medicines, we're messing with it. And when we, and, um, and we get obsessed about cleanliness, and it's a mistake, I believe. You can overdo it. All right. Well, you know. With that, we're going to go. We I want to talk about heart break. disease. You know, you're wearing a red shirt. Yes. And I about think heart. It, it's, it's heart month. Let, and okay. our show coming up a week from tomorrow night is going to be about heart. Tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow night is about MS. And so that is prevalent in South Dakota. We would so love to have people call us about their questions about MS or call your questions about heart, please. Very good. We'll be back right after these words. 
Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Joan Hogan here with Dr. Rick Holm, who is diagnosing my illness. I'm on my third week of a cold. He's thinking it may not be a cold, and fortunately for me, he's going to check and just see if it could be something else. Now, Before that's we d- nice d- for me, but d- how about people that are listening and might be in the same position as I am? What do you suggest if you've had a cold that runs over two weeks? Do you suggest going in and seeing a doctor? Yes, but I mean, here's what happens. You go into the doctor and you say, I always get better when they give me an antibiotic. I'm not going to say that. I I know you won't. (laughs) Okay. But many people do, and they pressure the doctor or the PA or the nurse practitioner, and they go, I need an antibiotic. I need an antibiotic. And what do you think you get? You get the daggone antibiotic. Okay. And what are you doing to yourself? You're screwing with your microbiome. Okay. Don't do that. Don't do it. Don't push for an antibiotic. In fact, what you can say to the doctor, and it relieves them greatly, to say, and by the way, I'm not asking for an antibiotic. I just need to have some direction. And could I have some asthma? Or is there an allergy or something going on in my lungs? Or do I need to worry about pneumonia? You know, when, you're, when you have something that lasts this long or come get, starts getting worse later, you know, you sound worse than you did last week. I do. So, huh. uh, yeah, I want to listen to your lungs, and okay. then we'll make a decision. All I right, got so anyone over, that goes over two weeks. I got weeks. a stethoscope out in my car. All right, it's, I'm ready for you. It's, You're it's, ready. It's in the refrigerator, <laughs> no, the we, cold we, thing. We won't discuss poor Joan's health, but we'll, well, we'll get we'll it go. taken care of. But Before for those of you who don't have a doctor in the room, if it's after two weeks, it might be good to go in. Just don't ask for an antibiotic. Find out what the cause is. Don't. Make sure you're, it's clear to your, your provider that you're not pushing for an antibiotic. That'll be a helpful thing for okay. you. It's a very important point. Now, we are streaming live right now. Um, last week, Joni and I watched Prairie Home Companion on streaming live while it was going on. Of course, the words didn't sync with the word. With the, with the it was g- close. It was close, and it was just wonderful. I really loved good. it, you know, and so we can, you can watch this show. It's a, it's a picture show as well as a... I watched it as well, but I must say I was disappointed that Garrison wasn't on. They had a guest host. He yeah. was great. I think... The guest I, host is going to be taking over now. It, well, maybe. Maybe. Joni if he, and I think he might be better. Garrison is, you know, it's time. 40 it's years. 40 years. Give him a break. Quite a show. Quite Let a show. Let him come back yep. as a guest periodically. Okay, so you told them they can, uh, they can watch our streaming show, and the best way to do it is to go to prairiedoc.org. If you go to prairiedoc.org, and then you can pull up radio on there. Right now, who's your uh, tech person? I'm trying to think. Um, Kelsey. Kelsey is working on this right now to make it easier because I sat with Kelsey this morning, and I said, Kelsey, the majority of people listening to this program are closer to my age, and I don't move as fast as you do on a computer, and I'm not getting this as quickly as you do. So she's going to make some tweaks so that it's easier when you go to prairiedoc.org to locate it. For her, she goes, just goes, boop, 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 here it is. I said, yeah, yeah that didn't work for me. What you can do is go to YouTube, go to Prairie Doc, and then somewhere within Prairie Doc on YouTube, you can find the radio show streaming. But Kelsey is going to improve on that this week. I know she is, and it's going to be much easier to locate it. So if you want to watch it, it is there. It's just trying to find it. You know, yeah. they they can see it. So if they want to see yeah. us live, we're live. Yeah. Okay, that sounds good. Enough on my health. Enough on Prairie Doc. How about heart? You but said you wanted to talk about heart. I do, uh, but Bob, you had a question or a thought on your mind. Bob I with forgot, a thought on his I mind. I forgot what it was. Uh, 
<laughs> Deep thinker. Sorry, do you have a heart know. question? You have a heart question? No. Uh, I They have uh, something, and I forgot what it was because I got engrossed. It'll come to me when you guys are oh, the five minutes later. Streaming issues. You were, talk- you were thinking about streaming. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, YouTube, too, and you can just put it in your favorites bar when you finally get it to where you want to go oh, and then okay. just click on favors and it'll take you right there and then each week is indexed on the right hand side and you can watch previous ones that are archived you can watch the most current ones that's what i do at home because okay. oh, i'm not very computer literate so i uh, mean yeah, me neither yeah. i do the best i can with it but well you know i Kelsey think is something else the, the thing that kids do is they feel free to explore so they explore more we older people don't explore as much you go i don't know where it is and scream and and at the machine, yeah. and then you're done. Explore. Go around. And then, of course, the, you don't want to, oh, and I'm going to watch that video. No, keep exploring to find what you need. Don't get di- <laughs> distracted because okay. we all get distracted. The kick is if it asks you, are you sure, the answer is always no. Yeah. <laughs> you'll erase something, I know. Okay, another uh, issue to say is that we're working on a, a, <laughs> on a television show we're going to do in first of March uh, or early March on um, elder abuse and part of it is going to be on scamming I mean and all of us are at risk for that I mean I don't care how clever you may be but I've and you know what people are scammed all the time and I've been scammed twice big fairly big you know not not big time but you know construction type things Um, you trust people you get to know them you, you you and then could you just pay advance so we can get these bricks, you know, so you pay advance and then off they go. They're gone. And um, with your money in the banks. Uh, and, you know, that whole thing. There, So you've got, there are a lot of things we all should be careful about. And there's some things and lessons that we can all learn. And so we're going to do a show on scamming, but also elder abuse. You know, um, there is a TV show that we just kind of scrambled through last night at about nine o'clock or something where they were watching somebody they were purposefully having an actor abuse an actor pretending to be an elder elderly alzheimer's patient and then they videoed the people reacting they were in a public spot so they're sitting maybe in a barbershop or something yeah and this you saw caregiver no but the caregiver then uh, started abusing the person he's carrying, and they wanted to see if people around would come to the aid. So and that it was, was amazing to see that people did. You know, yeah. all sorts of people, you know, of uh, styles and shapes and colors and personalities and uh, levels of education and economics. It's amazing. They wouldn't do what It doesn't do. seem yeah. to, you know, you think about it, which of those people are the ones who are the most ethical? And which of the ones are not, and they're from all, the ethical and unethical are from all those different uh, levels. It's just amazing. Well, abuse does go on, and so that show is going to air in March, and it will talk about elder abuse in all of its different terrible forms. But let's talk uh, about heart. There's some things that I'd like to, uh, to say that are just really interesting to me. Good. One of them is blood. Blood is part of this whole thing. That's why you're red, right? That's what red is all about because that's what the heart does. It sends that blood around. And what does blood do? Blood carries oxygen and it carries nutrients and energy and, and food, but it carries oxygen to every cell of our body that is alive. 
I mean, there's a lot of cells that are on the layer, the top layer of our skin that's dead. That's just kind of waiting for its turn to slough off, and then there's a new one underneath. It's turning over. But the, li the, the live cells stay alive because they get oxygen. And they, and they need they get the blood running through and to the bring it. And the blood has to bring every se single cell uh, that particular um, uh, oxygen and nutrient. And it also needs to pick up waste, mostly in carbon uh, carbon dioxide, which is the breakdown product. You know, carbon and oxygen combine in a carbon, two parts oxygen, one part carbon. And it carries it to the lungs, and the lungs <sighs> exhale the carbon dioxide and <gasps> brings in oxygen-rich air and exchanges it. And so it's an amazing thing that this happens. And of course, <coughs> carbon dioxide goes out into the air and is blown somewhere where trees take the carbon dioxide in and give off oxygen. Not, thank you, uh, you know, chloroform and all of the wonderful parts of this macrobiome that we live in. So back to the story of oxygen. So how does it carry? What does the blood do to carry it? Well, there is this m complex protein called hemoglobin. And if you study hemoglobin, you could spend your whole life studying hemoglobin, but it's sort of like the jaws of, you know, jaws. That it, in, in its molecular structure, it's open. When it doesn't have oxygen, oxygen comes in and it closes it around the oxygen and gloms onto it until it gets to the cell. And for reasons somebody knows, but I can't say right now because it's not there, it, un it, it releases it. I think it's because when the carbon dioxide is available it, it opens up for that and then the oxygen is released so the exchange that the the hemoglobin molecule does on the cell level is fascinating but if you go to the story of the heart that makes the that pumps the blood it's almost even more fascinating and I just I'll say something that I've said several times before but it just is a beautiful physiology of this so the heart squeezes. All right, now let's just say that all we have is one chamber, and it's the left ventricle, because that's the main pump, right? We've got the right ventricle, and we've got two atria that collect the blood, and the right ventricle squeezes and pushes it through the lungs. But the left ventricle is what squeezes, and it pumps the blood to the whole body. All right, so this m most muscled chamber, shaped like a V, has a valve on the top of the V that lets the blood in. And on the left side, a smaller valve called the aortic valve that lets the blood out. So when the ventricle squeezes, the letting the blood valve in closes and, it, and push, pushes it out, the, the valve that allows the blood out, the aortic valve, out to the rest of the body. And it goes out through all the vessels, and they're all elastic. You know, they're stretchable, so they... Ooh, they stretch, but they're elastic. And so when the ventricle is done squeezing, it relaxes, and immediately the blood wants to go back. So it, it reverses direction, starts to go back toward where it came from because of the elasticity of all the blood vessels, the arterial side of the blood vessel, right? And the aortic valve slams shut. And when the heart is relaxing, the coronary arteries that feed the heart are at above the aortic valve, and all that blood rushing back rushes through the coronary arteries. 
So that isn't it interesting that the coronary arteries fill during the time that the ventricle is relaxing and it feeds the heart muscle itself when it's relaxing in that lub-dub. After the dub, the time before the next lub, is when the coronary arteries fill during the relaxation phase. They are fed from above the aortic valve and they're the only vessels in the body that fill during that relaxation diastole Whereas all of the rest of them, the ventricle goes, oh, I got a good blood supply. I'm invigorated, squeezes, blood shoots out the aortic valve and fills all of the rest of the cells and carries that oxygen capacity and brings the hemoglobin home. But during diastole, the heart, you know, who designed that? Just <laughs> fascinating. Absolutely so, fascinating. So I, I just, you know, that whole structure of the heart muscle and how it works is just glorious so when we have a heart attack it's a blockage of the coronary arteries that are filled during diastole and you know as we get older diastole changes uh, and this squeeze time that that time between the lub and the dub you know lub dub pause lub dub lub dub lub dub that's when it when when it works Dr. Holm, is that the measurement then of blood pressure, the systolic and diastolic, the yeah. numbers that... Yeah, right. So if you, let's say I'm measuring the pressure, I have a pressure uh, uh, sensor in an artery in my arm, in within the arm, one of the major arteries, you know, a, a big artery in my, my arm. Okay, and I have a measurement in there. And so when systole occurs, when the ventricle squeezes, Boom, the pressure within the vessels goes up to maybe 120 millimeters of water. Of merc actually, it's, it's water. And, um, and then, but when, I, when it relaxes, okay, it doesn't completely go away. There's no lock, loss of pressure. It, then the pressure goes back, and you have the pressure within the vessels pushing the blood through the coronary arteries that it, it doesn't go any lower than 80. So if the pressure is 120 over 80, um, then, uh, then uh, that's the normal, right? It doesn't drop below 80. So it goes to as high as 120, drops as low as 100 uh, 80. to as 80. Um, so that's, you know, that pressure is what fills the coronary arteries. If, if, you, if it goes all the way down and you didn't have any, then it isn't filling the coronary arteries. Is this why when people have heart problems that they go on blood thinners because you want the blood to be thinner? Is that correct or is that incorrect? Um, you do. Uh, let's put it this way. Uh, uh, See, that's too broad of a question. Now, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Now, what are you thinking? What, what I'm, question I'm wondering are why, why are people on blood thinners. Okay. Blood thinners are mostly prescribed for people who have what is called atrial fib or atrial fibrillation or fibrillation. Atrial fib is when the atria, you know what happens is um, in systole, the ventricle squeeze, right? And then in diastole, um, the blood also flows back from all of the vessels in the venous system all the way in and it's pouring in to the atria both the pulmonary or the right side and the left side it's coming in 
uh, and that's when the ventricles are open and the the uh, the valves from the atria into the ventricle are open and they pour passively in through the atria into the ventricle and then the last minute of a uh, last uh, millisecond whatever milliseconds the atria squeeze and empty themselves in a normal heart you know there's this diastole lub dub pause and then just before the lub the the atria squeeze and empty the last bit of the blood in the atria they're almost really just a vessel almost they're, they're just a, almost a dilated vessel we're running out of time but they they squeeze well in atrial fib they don't squeeze and so the blood slugs into you know gets kind of sluggish in there and clots can form and then then thinner. it goes into the ventricles Okay. And then clots can flip to the lung or can flip to the brain or all, to Which all the Which you vessels. don't want. Right. So you anticoagulate them with warfarin. Okay. Good. Boy, they've got a long discussion on heart. We're going long. to take a final break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm hoping you're interested in this. I'm fascinated by this discussion on heart, and I, I'm sure our listeners are as well. We've talked about atrial fib, and it just seems as though, as I get older, I hear of more and more, more men than women that are on blood thinners. Do they all have atrial fib and they didn't have it when they were younger? What's the deal? Well, there are a lot a lot of people in atrial fib that didn't get anticoagulated for years. A lot of strokes have been as a result of atrial fib. Okay. Um, I will take people off of blood thinners when they're in atrial fib when they're a big fall risk, though. So there's a point. At what risk? I missed Falling. That. If they're falling oh, you don't and want they're them slamming falling. their head into the floor, you know, there's a time when you don't do harm. You know, the harm is greater than the the advantage so of any medicine so that's one thing uh, people who have heart valve replacement um, will uh, uh, commonly the, the specifically the the mechanical heart valves they all need to be anticoagulated because clots can form on those valves there are other people who need to be anticoagulated pulmonary emboli patients people will have clots in their legs it'll flip to their lung and uh, when that happens, it's life-threatening, you know. Um, and so uh, they get on blood thinners for six months. You stop them, and if they have another episode, then they're on it forever. Uh, okay. People who have acquired blood clotting problems will be on it uh, forever. Now, you'll find those oftentimes during childbirth. Women will be fine, and then they'll start having blood clots to their lungs. And you go, whoops you got to be on blood thinners. You, and you do a study to see that they have a blood clotting disorder, and, uh, and they do, and so they be, they're put on warfarin. And generally, you can go searching through the world and find that some people have low levels of this blood clotting disorder, but if they never get into trouble, you don't, you don't worry about you it. But if they start bloody, blood clots to their lungs and you discover this clotting disorder, um, uh, you put them on blood thinners. Well, I don't even worry about the clotting disorder. I look at them clinically. If they're starting flipping clots of the lung, I have a low threshold to put them back on it. But I give them that six months, stop it, wait for any sign of symptoms, boom, they're on it if they, again. Some people have strokes. Now, the, the thing about it is, is warfarin and that those kinds of medicines don't work for strokes as well as aspirin okay. or aspirin. Uh, or Plavix, which is basically aspirin, or dipyridamol, which is uh, dipyridamol and aspirin. Um, and so a lot of these things have really 
basically we're, save lives. And you know, they? we can go on and on, but we're out of time. Aren't but we? we're saving lives, and that's yeah, good. And that's the reason for it. Very well, I didn't answer your question. We're going to have to talk about this next week. I think so. But we hope all of you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program, and we'll listen again. For Prairie Doc, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Dr. Holmes on call with the Prairie Doc television program tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock. We'll discuss multiple sclerosis. With Jerry Freeman, Dr. Jerry Freeman. He's a great guy. Uh, Neurologist from Sioux Falls. I think that's it, Dr. Holmes. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you, Joan. Thank you, Bob, and stay healthy out there, people.